I wanted to write a story that went beyond the case, which had been fully, pretty fully explored and really understand the impact of the kind of injustice um, Daryl Hunt suffered, um, beginning with just the impact of the wrongful conviction itself, what that does to somebody psychologically, what that does to their sense of self and their being and their soul. Um, and then I wanted to understand what happened to him in prison and the trauma of that experience and also understand he, all the defeats that he faced in prison. It was 19, until he was exonerated in 2004, it was 19 years of, of defeat and what, what that um, would have been like for him. And then I really mostly wanted the book to explore his life after prison and the difficulty of that experience. He, he accomplished a remarkable amount as an advocate, but um, he paid a high price for it. Um, the, the burden of being a public figure like that was really difficult for him. And also the advocacy work that he did was on the strength of his personal story. So in effect, his job came to be retelling this traumatic experience that he went through. You write in the book that release from prison didn't end the injustice of a wrongful conviction. Um, and as you mentioned, you explore a bit about the way trauma can impact someone who's wrongfully accused. Could you tell me a little bit about what we know today about uh, that very question of, of how trauma can affect someone um, who experienced what, what Daryl Hunt did? Yeah, so the book uh, draws both on um, what he said about that experience and what he wrote about that experience in letters to lawyers and and other friends and also what he wrote about that experience while he was um, keeping journals and then he did a kind of audio recording of his memoir for, for a time. So it draws on all of that, but the book also draws on the study of trauma and what uh, psychologists and, and scientists have found is that the effects of trauma live on in your body. So this kind of flight or fight response that we have that builds up and gets stored in your body. And so that explains the kind of flashbacks that people have who've been through trauma or the anxiety attacks that people have or the panic attacks. And all levels of the experience Daryl had were traumatic. You know, Daryl Hunt's story can be told through many voices and many documents, and, um, and it has been. But you incorporate Hunt's voice uh, through including, you know, transcripts from audio diary entries almost like a, a memoir and his own writing he did journal while he was in prison and tell me a little bit about um, Hunt's relationship with journaling and also about how you incorporated his own voice into this book he started keeping a journal when he was still in the jail awaiting trial and he was encouraged to do so by Larry Little, who was uh, a city councilman at the time and had organized his defense committee. And Larry Little gave him um, a spiral bound notebook to keep, um, thinking that it would help him in two ways, that it would 
just help him have a place to pour his heart out in and also help him become a better reader and a better and a clearer writer. In other words, help him gain some education in jail. Daryl Hunt had never been much of a student and had dropped out of high school. And so um, early entries talk about him wanting to please Larry. He's going to keep this journal because, you know, this man he looked up to um, asked him to. Um, and one of the things that I found so striking in reading some of these um, excerpts was that um, his, his public persona, his entire life, beginning from the time he was 19 years old, was very calm, very dignified. He never expressed anger. He never expressed rancor. He never, he never lashed out at anybody. He, he had this calm, graceful demeanor. But from a, those very first entries inside, he was, as I would be, he was pissed off. He was mad. He could see that what was happening to him was part of a system um, that had been, that was distorted by systemic racism. Um, so he, he felt all that and he expressed all that. It's just that he didn't express it publicly. In terms of reform that has resulted after Daryl Hunt's case, you know, what are you seeing as, you know, the changes or evidence of reform? Um, I'm thinking of eyewitness identification, photo lineups, and things like that. Um, And where are you also still seeing weaknesses in terms of um, investigation practices? Yeah. So, you know, as you're noting, Daryl Hunt um, left a, a remarkable legacy. So because of his advocacy, there have been changes in the way police departments conduct um, eyewitness fo- photo lineups and in the way many police departments interrogate um, suspects. There's also been changes in the way courts think about forensic evidence. And um, there are also a lot more prosecutors now who have been been to law schools where they teach um, about innocence cases. So there are more prosecutors who, who see their role as being something other than always just prosecuting whatever case the police bring to them. So these are, these are really important um, reforms that are aimed at preventing wrongful conviction. One area that he was really passionate about, which people are just beginning to talk about in this country is really uh, how to reform our entire way, our entire carceral state essentially. Um, So we have 2 million people locked up in this country, which is more than any other country in the world. And what Daryl Hunt recognized is once you have a criminal record and once you have been sentenced to a term in prison, it's really a life sentence. That's what the subtitle of the book comes from, that anybody with a criminal record is essentially carrying a life sentence because that criminal record... um, bars you from so many of the privileges that most of us share. Uh, So people have coined a term for it, civil death, and it has to do with the fact that there are some 30,000 laws and regulations and licensing requirements in place that make it really difficult, if not impossible, for somebody with a record to 
get housing, to get a job, to go back to school, to take out student loans, to become a barber, to, to become a hairdresser, um, to vote in many states and certainly to serve on a jury. Um, and this was something that Daryl worked on one-on-one -on -one with people coming home from prison. But while he did that work, he really understood that I mean, it was overwhelming because it was almost impossible really to help somebody start their life anew, which is what the expectation is, that you will go to prison, serve your sentence, and come home and begin anew. And that's, that's almost impossible for, for many.